to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 50, Truth. Guys, I made it to episode 50. I've done 50 of these. That's just crazy to me. And I was actually really excited because this episode 50 also marks one year. I have been doing this for exactly one year. So I was really excited when both episode 50 and one year coincided with each other. So that's really exciting. This has been a great year for me. It's been a great year of growth for me personally. It has been really amazing for me in my own mind to kind of get to weekly bear my testimony and redefine what I what I believe or define. I don't know if it's really redefining, but define what I believe and really think about what I believe. And it's just it's just been great. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. Um I just can't even say how much this has affected my life. All right, so this week's section is section 93. And like you know, when we have one section, you know that it's going to be a heavy doctrinal one. And boy, this is really, really a great one. If you look at the header of this section, you'll see that there's basically no context given. There are some educated guesses by historians um, based on the contents of section 93. The best guess is that Joseph was going through some edits of the Old Testament as he was translating when this revelation was given. And it really is a very revolutionary revelation. It reveals doctrine that is different than any other form of Christianity. And I think that sometimes, at least for those of us who have grown up in the church, we forget how incredibly unique and amazing our doctrine is compared to the doctrine of general Christianity around the world. And of course, that's amazing doctrine too, but we need to remember that it is incomplete and that the fullness of the gospel can only be found here and just really treasure that that special blessing we have of actually understanding and knowing the fullness of the gospel. So what stuck out to me in this section is the incredible abundance of truth and light that we receive. So that is what we are going to talk about. We are going to talk about something that is so hard to hang on nowadays, truth. Verse 1 says, Verily thus saith the Lord, It shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and cometh unto me and calleth on my name and obeyeth my voice and keepeth my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. Right off the bat, we get direction to the pathway of ultimate truth. The ultimate truth that he is. We get the amazing promise that if we forsake our sins, come unto him, call in his name, and obey his voice and keep his commandments, we shall see his face and know that he is. President Spencer W. Kibble said, I have learned that where there is a prayerful heart, a hungering after righteousness, a forsaking of sins, and obedience to the commandments of God, the Lord pours out more and more light until there is finally power to pierce the heavenly veil to know more than men knows. A person of such righteousness has the priceless promise that one day he shall see the Lord's face and know that he is. Think about the word know. Used in that context, I would define it as a perfect knowledge, a perfect knowledge that he is. You know, and you have no doubt. Kind of like Joseph Smith said, you know it and you know that God knows it. In Alma 32, 34, it says, yea, your knowledge is perfect in that thing and your faith is dormant. Faith is something that can be a really hard thing. 
in verse 21 of that same chapter in Alma, it says, Faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if ye have faith, ye hope for things which are not seen, which are true. So going back to section 93, verse 1, the reward for a life lived according to the gospel of Jesus Christ is that those things that were not seen will be seen. Your hard-fought faith will be rewarded with pure truth, the truth that he is. That faith will become dormant and your knowledge become perfect. He will be there in front of you, perfect and glorious and real and tangible, experiencing his unimaginable love in person after a life well lived. A life that you live perfectly, not because all of your actions were perfect, but because you did as he asked and used the atonement. You left your sins to come unto him and you obeyed his voice. And the reward is ultimate truth, a perfect knowledge that he is. And who is he? What truth can we find here about that? Verse 2. And that I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every man. Jesus taught in John chapter 8 verse 12. I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So the truth is, if we follow after him, it is not possible for our world to be completely dark. Because his presence His spirit destroys it. He is the light that lighteth every man that comes into the world. Next, we learn some amazing truths about the nature of the Father and the Son. Verse 3, And that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. The Father, because he gave me of his fullness, and the Son, because I was in the world, and made flesh my tabernacle, and dwelt among the sons of men. This is an incredible truth that mirrors our own potential and destiny. The Savior said in his intercessory prayer, Neither pray I for these, meaning the apostles, alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I love all of that. I especially love the first part that says that they all may be one. I keep thinking about that in in my ward and the people I interact with. My number one priority in my interactions with them should be that we are unified. And that doesn't have to mean that we agree on all the things. But I think that we have some pretty incredible common ground to meet up on. And in that way, we can be unified and be one. Elder Christoffel Golden Jr. said, The Father and the Son are distinctly separate beings, but they are perfectly united and one in power and purpose. Think about that. If we in our wards could be united perfectly in power and purpose, Man, no wonder we know that the church will not fall, that it cannot topple. Because if we are one in power and purpose with each other, and then in turn, we are also one with the Savior and with our Heavenly Father, there is no stopping that. Elder Christoffel continues, Their oneness is not reserved for them alone. Rather, they desire the same oneness for everyone who will, with devotion, follow and obey their commandments. 
Moving on to verse 5 in this section, I was in the world and received of my Father, and the works of him were plainly manifest. Just as the Savior was in the world and received of his Father, and therefore the works of his Father flowed through him, we can do that too. We are in the world, and we can receive light from the Father and the Son, and their works can be plainly manifested through us. I mean, I can't think of an any more fulfilling life opportunity than to be one with the Father and the Son and with each other and be able to have the works of God manifest through us. Next, we get an amazing truth unique to, again, the restored church of Jesus Christ, starting in verse 6 and going through to 11. And John saw and bore record of the fullness of my glory, and the fullness of John's record is hereafter to be revealed. And he bore record, saying, I saw his glory, that he was in the beginning before the world was. Therefore, in the beginning the word was, for he was the word, even the messenger of salvation, the light and the redeemer of the world, the spirit of truth, who came into the world because the world was made by him, and in him was the life of men and the light of men, and the worlds were made by him. Men were made by him, all things were made by him, and through him and of him. And I, John, bear record that I beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, even the spirit of truth, which came and dwelt in the flesh and dwelt among us. So many amazing truths in there, one of which is that the Lord was in the beginning, before the world was that he was foreordained to be the redeemer of the world, to come into the world because the world was made by him and in him was the life and light of men. And next, John gives us some more insight into the truth about how the Savior became who he is today. Verse 12, And I, John, saw that he received not the fullness at first, but received grace for grace. And he received not the fullness at first, but continued from grace to grace until he received the fullness. And thus he was called the Son of God because he received not the fullness at first. Think about that. Even Jesus Christ didn't start out exactly where he is now. He received grace for grace. He received not the fullness of the Father at first. John tells us that he was called the Son of God because he received not the fullness of the Father at first. And the same is with us. We have the potential to become as he is, to become equal heirs with Christ, to receive the fullness of the Father and the Son. Joseph Smith said, when you climb up the ladder, you must begin at the bottom and ascend step by step until you arrive at the top. And so it is with the principles of the gospel. You must begin with the first and go on until you learn all the principles of exaltation. In verse 15, John continues, And I, John, bear record, and lo, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove, and sat upon him. And there came a voice out of heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son. And I, John, bear record that he received a fullness of the glory of the Father. So another amazing truth there is that John saw and bore record that the Son received the fullness of the Father. And actually, when I read that, it's a little teeny bit confusing to me because I'm like, does that mean when he was baptized, he received the fullness of the Father? Or is that, you know, how sometimes in scriptures they skip around to different events without actually having like a, a smooth transition? And so I'm like, does that mean when he was resurrected then? that Because that seems like it makes more sense to me. When he was resurrected, he received the fullness of the Father. Anyway, but irregardless, he received the fullness of the Father. And that is revealed to us. Here in this section, such an amazing truth. 
Verse 17, And he received all power both in heaven and earth, and the glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt in him. That goes back to what the Lord says in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Okay, more truth bombs. Verse 21, And now verily I say unto you, I was in the beginning with the Father, and am the firstborn, and all those who are begotten through me, meaning those who follow him and keep his commandments, are partakers of the glory of the same and are the church of the firstborn. Ye were also in the beginning with the Father, that which is spirit, even the spirit of truth. You were there. That is the truth. You were. You shouted with joy when the Father's plan was revealed. You rejected Satan's plan. You chose the Savior. You had relationships. You were foreordained for things, things that you absolutely have the capacity to attain through faithfulness. I'm sure that you were determined to be faithful to your Savior and do everything in your power to come back into the presence of God. You were there. And that is the truth. And what is truth? Verse 24, and truth is knowledge of things as they are and as they were and as they are to come. Things as they are, you are currently here on the earth, a spirit child of heavenly father with a divine nature, destiny, and purpose. Things as they were, you lived before you came here. You had a divine destiny and purpose then that has followed you to the earth now and as they are to come. You have the capacity, truly, you have the capacity to become like the Savior Jesus Christ. And don't you argue with me, because he has said it. And what he says is true. You know what's hard about not remembering all of these things from the pre-existence? Not remembering being in the presence of God and having the perfect knowledge that he is? We get lost in the here and now and sometimes forget that truth is independent of culture, of our world. Truth is unchangeable and does not vary. Truth is knowledge of things as they are. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that wonderful fact that truth is independent of everything around us and that that truth is something that we can cling to, something that is solid, something that is unchangeable and does not move. Verse 25, and whatsoever is more or less than this is the spirit of that wicked one who is the liar from the beginning. I for sure hear truth with more added or less taken away. We need to be careful as we hear what might be called the philosophies of men mingled with the word of God. The primary strategy of the adversary is to move us a little bit at a time. It says somewhere in the Book of Mormon, I forget where, but it says that his goal is to carefully lead us down to hell. What do you think the most effective strategy to get you is? It is to take truths, true things, good things from the Savior and twist them just enough to get you to move a little in his direction. Verse 26, the spirit of truth is of God and I am the spirit of truth. And God bore record of me, saying, He received a fullness of truth, yea, even of all truth. And no man receiveth a fullness unless he keepeth his commandments. And that he keepeth his commandments and receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. Listen to that. Until he is glorified in truth and knows all things. Don't you think that tells us something about the importance of truth? 
It is defining exaltation in that scripture as being glorified in truth. Truth is beautiful. Truth is comforting and constant. As he says, I am the spirit of truth. Verse 29, man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence or light of truth was not created nor made, neither indeed can be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it, to act for itself as all intelligence also, otherwise there is no existence. President Spencer W. Kimball taught, The earth is spherical. If all four billion people in the world think it's flat, they are in error. That is an absolute truth, and all the arguing in the world will not change it. We learn about some of these absolute truths by being taught by the Spirit. These truths are independent in their spiritual sphere and are to be discovered spiritually, though they may be confirmed by experience and intellect. The great prophet Jacob said that the Spirit speaketh the truth, wherefore it speaketh of things as they really are, and of things as they really will be. We need to be taught in order to understand life and who we really are. The gods organized and gave life to man and placed him on the earth. That is absolute. It cannot be disproved. A million brilliant minds might conjecture otherwise, but it is still true. And having done all of this for his father's children, the Christ mapped out a plan of life for man, a positive and absolute program whereby man might achieve, accomplish, and overcome and perfect himself. Again, these vital truths are not matters of opinion. If they were, then your opinion would be just as good as mine or better. But I give you these things, not as my opinion. I give them to you as divine truths which are absolute. Someday you will see and feel and understand and perhaps even berate yourself for the long delay and waste of time. It is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. Man, guys, listen to that. Can't you just feel that in your heart? Feel that truth? Verse 31, Behold, here is the agency of man, and here is the condemnation of man, because that which was from the beginning is plainly manifest unto them, and they receive not the light. And every man whose spirit receiveth not the light is under condemnation. For man is spirit, and the elements are eternal, and spirit and element, inseparably connected, receive a fullness of joy. Spirit and element, inseparably connected, receive a fullness of joy. Another amazing truth. In other words, our spirits and bodies will be inseparably connected and only together when those things are connected can we receive a fullness of joy. Verse 34, and when separated, man cannot receive a fullness of joy. Verse 36, the glory of God is intelligence or in other words, light and truth. We learned in the earlier verse that the glory of God is truth. Here it says that the glory of God is intelligence, which means light and truth. Verse 37, light and truth forsake that evil one. Every spirit of man was innocent in the beginning, and God having redeemed man from the fall, men became again in their infant state, innocent before God. Another revolutionary truth revealed, every spirit of man was innocent from the beginning. We are redeemed from the fall. This is an affirmation of the article of faith that we will be punished for our own sins and not for Adam's transgression. It is truth that we are not accountable for the sins of others. We are not inherently guilty. Verse 39, And that wicked one cometh and taketh away light and truth through disobedience from the children of men and because of the tradition of their fathers. What does Satan do? He takes away light and truth through disobedience and because of the traditions of their fathers. Verse 40, But I have commanded you to bring up your children in light and truth. 
In the family proclamation, it says parents have a sacred duty to rear their children in love and righteousness, to provide for their physical and spiritual needs, and to teach them to love and serve one another, observe the commandments of God, and be law-abiding citizens wherever they live. We have been commanded to bring up our children in light and truth. The glory of God is intelligence, which is light and truth. Our Savior is the light and life of the world. Let's bring it back to the scripture that I can tie pretty much everything into. A plea from a father bringing up his sons in light and truth. Helaman 5.12 And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe, because upon the rock which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. That is the last truth I want to leave you with. And I want you to spend your life leaving with your children. That if we rely on Christ and build our foundation upon He who is light, who is truth, we cannot fall. My prayer is that we can become as He prayed that we would become when He said, And the glory which thou gavest me and I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. When we build our foundation on Jesus Christ, we become one with Him. And out of that power of being one with He who overcame all, He whose purposes cannot be frustrated, comes the absolute truth that we therefore cannot fall. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ.